you join me on my perch at the far end of the bar. Good evening. And just before we started recording this podcast, mm. Ben was swearing at me. Yes, a lot. Because he's got a new toy, everyone. <laughs> is it? Is it an app? It's no. It's a Twitter feed. And uh, we should advise parental caution. Is that what they say? In fact, if you're a parent, we would advise caution. This is kind of Derek and Clive does the speaking clock. If you're a parent, I think you'll love it. Just don't read it to the kids until they're a certain age. There would be some parents who wouldn't love it. Yes. But again, again, I say the words Derek and Clive. Uh, For those not um, familiar with the work of Derek and Clive. This was Dudley Moore and Peter Cook. Well alight. Mm. Well alight. Oh, yeah. In a studio. Huzzah. After several bottles of scotch. I think we've talked about them before and I uh, recited my favourite poem of theirs. <laughs> Did um, it make no, the podcast? I can't remember. There may have been some bleeping. Uh, some? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it in, right, and then we'll decide afterwards whether it should stay. Okay. <clears throat> oh, Auntie Flo, I love you so, especially in your nighty. When the moonlight flits across your... <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ almighty. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the it... mildest of mild. Yeah. That is... When it comes to Derek and Clive. That's as mild as it gets for them. They would make a stevedore blush. <laughs> um, the reason the reason we mention all this is because Ben has found this Twitter feed thing mm. that yep. tells you the time. It's called Swear Clock. Does your phone just suddenly leap into life and swear well, at you? I think it might do now. I'm going to turn on the notifications so every time Swear Clock puts out a tweet, it appears on my screen or they may be not when I'm driving and the whole family can see what's happening because they might see something like hang a towel over your erect penis and pretend it's a ghost it's 11 o'clock they yeah. were, so, they were, the ones that he was reading to me just now I'll tell yeah. you now were much much worse than that filthy M- absolute do you see there is a there is a I, I, I'm not I'm not somebody who ever works uh, blue, as they used to say at Butlins. Mm. They used to have a little sign at the side of the stage which said, blue material. Parents don't like it. Children don't understand it. And we won't have it. <laughs> and then it was signed Billy Butlin underneath. So if you went out on any stage at Butlins, mm. you were not allowed to work blue. There was certainly no swearing. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, pushing the envelope. So, which is where the creative euphemism comes in. Mm. Now, I like that. I really like that. The idea that, you know, you find other words to mean what everybody knows you actually mean. Yes. But you you catch it in such a way, euphemistically, you catch it in such a way that you get your laugh from the euphemism. Would you agree with me that... Julian Clary would be one of the foremost proponents of the euphemism, or do you think he's just outright filth? He's, he's, he's just to the left of filth. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, he's so far to the... It, I don't know. He's, he's smack bang in the middle of filth, isn't he, really? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but in those days, uh, the, the, the euphemism, I liked the euphemism. And, and interestingly, one of my favourite sitcoms 
Frazier mm. is very, very good at the euphemism. Very There's good. There's no swearing in, in, in Frazier at all. Concerning news, though, recently. Oh, I know. That they're bringing it back. What do you think? I, I know. Best left alone? Oh, please. Yeah, There's I no Niles, so. is there? No Niles. Um, obviously. No Daphne. No Roz. No Dad, obviously, because Dad's yeah. gone. Um, no Little Dog. Mm. No Seattle. Yeah. No Cheers. No Bar. Yeah. I mean, I, it's one of those where I'm hoping against hope that it's going to be decent, but I fear the worst. I don't know who the writing crew are. I don't know whether they, they've gone back to um, the creators of Frasier or whether mm. they've concocted a wholly new um, writer's room for it. Don't know. Mm. But, but everyone I know who loves Frasier with a passion mm. has been saying exactly the same as you. Yeah. Is it a mistake? Well, I mean, you know, I'm, pre I'm prepared... Uh, to give them the benefit of the doubt and not just write it off before we've even watched a minute. But um, I am concerned. I am concerned. Yeah. Um, I think I think the the great thing about Frasier was that it was the spin-off that worked. Mm. Not many Look, of those around. No, there aren't many of those. And and let let's at this point take a moment to pause and remember the shambolic nonsense that was Joey. Mm, what a shame that was. I mean, he's a funny guy. Yeah. You know? He was the friend who you thought, oh, well, that'll work. But then they, what did they take him? Hawaii? I mean, it was all it a was, bit. Oh. It was all a and, bit unnecessary, wasn't and it? And they put him with the girl who was killed in The Sopranos. And oh, I don't know. It did, never worked. No. And there was um, the one that I didn't really watch, but ran for a few series. Uh, Marlene and um, uh, your man of the green falls. green grass of home. Yeah, I don't. I can't, John Chalice uh, recreating boys at Marlene. <laughs> the very, I mean, great character. Mm. Um, he did. He did run a four or five, six series. They did well out of it, but it yeah. was it was a fish out of water thing where they took the white boy and put him in the country. Mm. Like, like the man never clicked. No, and, you were always uh, waiting for Rodney or Delboy to turn up, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, you were. And that, that was the and that's, problem, that was the great thing about Frazier, that Sam and Diane did turn up. Yeah, occasionally, didn't they? Yeah, they would pop in, you know. And it was a big deal, and it was great. But I don't know about this one, because, mm. you know, maybe it's one... Um, one... Uh, Step too many. Yeah, um, I fear the worst, as I say. But let's let's see. We'll just have to wait and see. But there won't and, be uh, there won't be lots of swearing. No, well, there, what, there, my there favorite... was there in Frasier. That was kind of the point. It was. Yeah. I mean, it was poking fun at high culture, but also quite high culture. <laughs> <laughs> we like all that stuff. Um, it's a bit like the my favorite spin-off of all time. I think would be whatever happened to the likely lads. Mm. Because now, the, I, I'm not not massively familiar. I'm obviously aware of and have watched the likely lads, but I'm not I'm not au fait with the narrative of the original and the and the spin-off. So talk us through. Well the, the, the I mean I was too young for the original. Uh, the original was in, in black and white and uh, in the sixties 
mm. and James Bolam and Rodney Buse, uh, who'd grown up together, and um, and and they were in black and white, and you know they did the sparring, uh, and they were likely lads who had comic adventures. Mm. Cut to years later, and I don't know whose idea it was to bring it back. But some, I, I don't know, around a swimming pool in Hollywood, probably, Ian Lafrenet <laughs> and Dick Clement are thinking we could do with a few more actors. <laughs> yeah, because like they, they didn't have it. enough, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we could do it. Let's bring back whatever happened to the Likely Lads. And mm. somebody went, yeah, that's a great idea. And when it came back, it was terrific because Rodney Buse, they weren't together. Rodney Buse was working, I think, as an estate agent. Mm. Um, big uh, kipper tie lapels the 1970s long collar he had a fiance Thelma right lovely lovely relationship there Thelma definitely wore the trousers in that relationship uh, and Terry had, was long gone he'd, he'd gone he'd joined the army it was the mm. last episode of, of the likely lads he'd gone off to join the army and he came back. He came back from Germany. Uh, a sadder man, a bitter man, because they were both supposed to join the army. Oh. But at the last moment, <laughs> Bob didn't. And said, Terry no. did. Which was great conflict, but superb. Absolutely. As good as Steptoe and Son when it was just two men in a room. That's all you needed two men in a room it's all in the writing isn't it oh yeah and they were great writers but yeah but well and the performance as well obviously have you seen the episode where they try to spend the day avoiding the score of the yeah. england international match yeah have you seen that one and yeah and even in my, in my generation which we were probably a little bit young for whatever happened to the likely lads but even in my generation, if we're trying to avoid the result of a sporting occasion... Now, I've got a friend who studiously avoids the mention of the test match score. And then what he does is he goes home at night and listens to TMS the whole day again. Around it. Oh, the whole... BBC Sounds, oh, right? Oh, no! So, and and he that's what we say. Oh, yeah, he's likely ladding the, you are. the score, you see. Who knew that yeah. it had become a thing? He's likely ladding. Yeah. It's great because the uh, because um, back in the early seventies you would only get the highlights uh, on the telly, but you would get a commentary on the radio. Mm. Um, so they had to avoid uh, any, uh, and I suppose they would have got a late night extra on the whatever their evening paper was in the north of England where they were, northeast where they were. Um, so anything that would have given away. I think the game was being played in the afternoon and anything that would have given away the score before they sat down to watch the highlights yeah. would have completely destroyed it. Completely <laughs> destroyed. Because in those days, an England football international meant something. Yeah. It well, was a I big mean, deal. The whole nation was a light. They do now, occasionally. <laughs> There's just more of them. So they're slightly devalued. But I know what you're saying, yeah. But great writing, great performing, yeah. uh, and it a was, great sequel. I mean, there is no time limit on this podcast, theoretically, but even though that is the case, I still don't think we've got time to list all of the sitcoms that 
Ian Lefrenet and Dick Clement wrote. <laughs> there were there were like dozens of them, wasn't there? Yeah, there were there were lots. Uh, there were lots of very good ones. There were a few that no one remembers. Mm. Over the Rainbow, anyone? No, 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 no. Uh, which was a kind of spin-off of um, the movie that they wrote about the Northern Ireland guys who got together and created a, 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 a soul band. A commitment. There you are. See, yeah. you remember that. Well, it was kind of-ish. There were lots of people in it. There was, you know, Ireland. Uh, yeah, it didn't work. Terrible. Mm. It was a flat above a pub called The Rainbow. It was just awful um, but many many but uh, I suppose they're crowned two great things that Ian Lefrenet wrote uh, Lovejoy yeah the the tales of um, how what would be the adjective that would describe Ian McShane in that mm. dodgy is too nah there's devious 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 yeah charmingly cunning yes lovely wonderful funny uh, yeah, he was great. Yeah. Um, so uh, that that was a great series, which he created, uh, and also, of course, with back with Dick uh, Dick Clement, Ian Lafrenet, Alfredo Saint Pet, Alfredo Saint Pet, yeah, comedy royalty. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know, there's a low, a low, which which I think you'll find they didn't write. <laughs> oh, didn't they? Was that that then? <laughs> no, no. Oh no, that was. Perry and uh, that was David Croft. David Croft and, and uh, yeah, Jimmy Perry. Perry. No, it wasn't Jimmy Perry. It was um, it was the other one. Uh, I got me uh, comedy writing David double Croft. acts mixed yeah. up, didn't I? Yeah. So yeah. apologies. This is yeah. why. So, this so is they why didn't we write Dad's on. Army, and they didn't write Hello Hello and uh, Yes Malud and all of those. Things. Heidi no, High. No, they didn't write any of that. They they went for for realism. That's what yeah. was great about um, Dick Clement. And Ian Farrell, they did write Porridge. Okay. They wrote Porridge. They wrote the the film Porridge. Uh, there's great. There's a great scene in the. Uh, I like it when writers nick from themselves. Mm. Um, there's a great scene in the in the in the pilot episode of uh, of Porridge where Ronnie Barker goes into slave prison, and they they have a uh, <laughs> they have a lineup of the new guys. Uh, and they're all in the, the medical examiner's room. And they're all in their vest and pants. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, the, 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 the doctor is saying, uh, um, have you ever had headaches? No. Have you ever had... Um, uh, have you ever had... Uh, oh, I don't know. I, what, what, are, what are things that you would be asked... To, on a checklist of hold on let me of, just go back to the time I was in prison and remember <laughs> well no but uh, you know lice have you ever had lice have you ever had lice no ever <laughs> a flat feet he said yeah I've got terrible flat feet awful flat feet because he knows if he got flat feet then he can get excused duties and so oh okay. terrible 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 flat feet uh, he's none of this none of this none of this and then he says uh, are you now or have you ever been a practicing homosexual he says what were these feet <laughs> which is which is which is a great gag, but it's not the one I was aiming for. Uh, the the next gag in the uh, in in that scene, he, the medical officer points to a, a beaker on the shelf and he says, uh, "Could you fill that beaker, please?" He said, "What from here?" <laughs> and he and Dick Clement and Ian Lafrenet uh, were asked to punch up the script for 
um, a Sean Connery movie. Mm. Um, the one, uh, Alcatraz, the one with Nicolas Cage. And they use that same gag. Really? Could you... F- could you- Oh, is it that one or is it maybe a Bond? I can't remember. It was either that or a Bond film that they... But certainly they were punching up uh, a line for Sean Connery. And again, could you fill the beaker? What from here? That's a great I think gag, it, isn't I it? I think it's a Bond. I think yeah. it's a Bond. But they did work on Alcatraz as well. But there you are. Nick from yourself. And mm. nobody can say, oh, he's Nick that gag. No, it's yours anyway. Because it's yours anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Boris Johnson's sweaty underboob. It's four a.m. Oh, lovely! Um, See, big big news here at the Rat and Thistle. Uh, all time, uh, yeah. Changes uh, behind the scenes. Oh, um, a new chef. All oh, right. Yeah, the old one unfortunately had to leave oh. um, after a mix-up between chocolate mousse and uh, gravy. Ah. Oh. Uh, Mrs. Trellis came all the way from North Wales on a day trip. And we served her roast beef, Yorkshire pudding, and chocolate mousse, followed by what turned out to be uh, milk chocolate gravy cake. Ah! So she wasn't happy. But anyway, we got rid of him, yes. and uh, we've employed a new chap uh, from the estuary area. Oliver James, his name is. Oh, right, and uh, okay. here he is now. He's just um, gonna knock up a pesto for us. So nice. uh, let's nice. just listen in. While, uh, while that happens for us. Um, okay. All right, Oliver. All right, Governor. I've got some stuff for you here, Ed. What we're going to do, take these peas, bang them in the, port, in the saucepan with some boiling water. Don't let them boil. Then get your pine nuts and just gently roast them on the pan. Bosh. Basil. Bosh. In the mixer. Whack the garlic in there as well. And the parmesan. Bosh. Olive oil. Vinegar. Wang it together in your mixer. Hey, pesto. He's good, isn't he? Does he have to do it naked every week, though? He seems to know his stuff, doesn't he? He does. And I'm delighted to report that that pesto turned out to be above average. Oh, really? Well, that's all you can ask for. At least there was no moose in it. (laughs) No. I was thinking perhaps instead of, you know, stopping off at the chip shop tonight, you'd like to take a jar of uh, Oliver James's uh, naked pesto home with you. I, I would, but what would she put it on? Well, if I, mean, I go through the door and say, I've got a jar of Oliver James's naked pesto, what's going to run through her mind? She's, she's, she's going to think, well, at last he's, he's making an effort again. He's shown an interest. <laughs> like the old days. That damn dog, <laughs> that damn pub, and he's come back with some naked pesto. I think this could be the making of you. And, well, uh, it, it could marriage. be the making of this podcast. Um, if I take the microphones home with me this evening and do a little recording, what do you think? Mm, yeah, why not? And I, I mean, think you, I think you can get six months if you put it on the uh, on the interweb. Always, uh, always looking for new material. So uh, to that end, uh, dear listener, if you have any suggestions for us, we're available via email. Um, we've had uh, one email in two and a half years. No, so let's see if on. we can. No, we haven't. Don't lie, we didn't have one Uh, email at all. We did, we did. It was uh, offering us some uh, pills to help us with the aforementioned activities. Um, So, thefiringinofthebar at gmail.com is where you should send your email. Listen, I really would love to get one, even if it's you just saying, oh, your podcast, like, really bad. (laughs) I don't mind. Just send us anything. Listen, we we don't do this for you. 
<laughs> Dear listener, we really don't do this. But we're the only podcast we don't give us stuff if we've got anyone listening to us. I mean, there's lots of people who don't listen. Lots and lots of people who don't listen. And they're forming a club. We don't listen to the far end of the bar. I'd say the vast majority of people don't listen. That's, uh, that's very much true. A gossip full of tapeworms. It's 12 midday. Oh, um, Pet hates at the movies. Number 26. I've always railed against um, those moments in, in film and television when people turn up with luggage that is obviously empty. Okay, oh right, I got mixed up then. I thought you were talking about the behaviour of other people in the cinema watching the film. But you're talking about... Two people get off a train Yeah. Okay. In, the, in the scene. Yeah. They are carrying suitcases. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there is nothing in either of those suitcases. They're, they're, they they're have so no light. weight at yeah. all. Mm -hmm. Right? Even if you see someone in a scene packing a suitcase... They, they, you know, they, they pack the, put the lid down on it, and in the next scene they're carrying it. It's obvious that those clothes have disappeared, and there is nothing in the suitcase. <laughs> For years and years and years that happened, and now I've said it, you won't be able to not see it. Mm. Yeah, you've not done us a favour there, have you? I'm going to make it even worse. Oh. I'm going to make so many scenes in movies and TV now unwatchable for you okay. that you are not going to look at me and think, I'm grateful he brought that up. Well, I think there may be a hidden benefit, though, for us, selfishly. People will stop watching television and they'll be desperately searching around for podcasts to listen to. We might get a few more people. We might. Joining our club. But the people who aren't listening can't hear what I'm about to say. Oh yeah, there's a, and there's they'll a still floor. be enjoying television and films, whilst the people who are listening will oh, no. have that joy forever. Spoiled. Oh, no. Well, before you tell us, what we need to do is just make sure that somehow we're not telling the people who are listening, but we are telling the people who aren't listening. So how, I'll how think we... about that while right. you tell okay. us what the thing okay. is. Okay, okay. Well, a semaphore possibly from a very high hill. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, right. The thing that really irks me at the moment. Mm. And has done for a little while now. Yeah. Are empty coffee cups. Oh. Every time this is the, this is I don't know what it is, but and, and I think this is this is lazy directors who say, oh, I, I need some props. Um, you bring in some coffee. Now I don't know what it is about the rules of filming that means that you can't have coffee in a cup. Mm. The cups are always empty. They hand over a cup, it is empty. They swig, in inverted commas, from a cup. There is no swallow. <laughs> they do not swallow anything because there's nothing in the bloody cup. Uh. Nothing. The cups are empty. Do you think it's some sort of health and safety edict where they're not allowed liquid near electric equipment or something um well it might be this has crossed my mind is it health and safety because let's face it uh wasn't it mcdonald's who paid out a multi-million pound uh, sum to the woman who drove up to one of their windows ordered a coffee when the coffee arrived 
she put the coffee between her legs and drove off. She then had to break very quickly. Mm-hmm. The coffee, the legs closed, the coffee top went... Oh. And the boiling coffee right. uh, insinuated itself all over her legs. Insinuated itself? <laughs> uh, well, basically, basically... <laughs> What I'm trying to say, you know, what it I'm suggested to say. it was there. It, it suggested that <laughs> that this boiling liquid is now all over your inner thigh. Hold on. So she took them to court, and they said yes. What? They did. They How paid out McDonald's the money. Fault? Which is why now, um, on the McDonald's cup, it says this contains very hot liquid. Okay. They wouldn't have put that there for any reason other than. The woman ordering from the drive-in, putting it between her legs, breaking hard, goes yeah. the top. Insinuated everywhere. Boiling liquid. <laughs> now, this is, this is an interesting point because you hear these people saying, it's health and safety gone mad, right? As if it's some sort of, uh, you know, the council or the government or some other authority that have insisted on bringing these laws to bear on us when in fact the fault is of the people like that woman who you know i hope she's okay and there wasn't any lasting damage from the insinuation and that all is dried out and she's fine but you know like she's definitely from the heart of thinking camp isn't she yes okay so and now it's her fault actually it's her fault that we will have to have a cup that says on it yes hot liquid inside it, it is pro- now. I have sympathy. Um, or a bag of walnuts that says contains walnuts. Yes, I was coming to that. I have a great deal of sympathy for people um, who have nut allergies because it is very bloody dangerous. Yes, incredibly dangerous. The peanut allergy, other nut allergies mm. are available. Can let's face it, kill people. Yes, but if you have a little pack of peanuts, you don't have them on airplanes these days. Because mm-hmm. of the peanut allergy. Mm-hmm. But in the old days, you used to get a packet of in the old days, when we used to take wood on the aeroplanes, you know, halfway through and keep stoking at the, at the engine. Uh, there were little packets of peanuts which said, peanuts may contain nuts. That was the lunacy of that. Yeah. These days, if you've got a sandwich and it says, may contain nuts, then that, I think that's reasonable. Mm. Because if you got the allergy, you really don't want to go anywhere near any nuttage. That's a very good point. What I would like to do at this point, though, is um, talk uh, more about the time you got wood on an aeroplane. You know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that, you know... <laughs> I'm just saying, we had some of those aeroplanes we used to get on in the old days, you, used to, you get halfway across the Atlantic Ocean, you had to get out and push. Coal in the boiler. That's the yeah. one. Mm. Oh, steam aeroplane. Do you know what? <laughs> there are there are films which uh, which uh, are either about a journey on an airship or mm-hmm. contain scenes on an airship. Have you been on an airship? No, of course. Would I've never you been ever on go on an airship. airship? Would you uh, ever go on one? Yes, I would. I would wouldn't you... have gone on the Hindenburg. No, well. I mean, hindsight and I understand and they're a little bit more safe, but the gondola. Uh, there, there's a number of um, uh, fantasy films and television programs which contain 
very realistic scenes of flight in an airship. And the, the gondola that they, they strung below the, the airship, the, the balloon thing, or whatever it's called. What's it called? Is it called a balloon? Uh, you don't airship. know. What have you, what have well, you uh, no, it's not in my sphere of knowledge. Anyway, the, the gondola underneath, <laughs> right, is always plush. There's lots of velvet in there. There's lots of polished brass and, and oak veneer. It always looks like the first-class cabin on the Titanic. And you always know the damn thing's going to fall from the sky. Yeah. You yeah. always know that. It's a given, isn't it? And, and, they, they, and they thought that, uh, that the airship was the way ahead. In fact, people will know this. I'm sure you know this. Um, that at the top of the Empire State, State Building, there is, a, uh, there is a boarding platform so that uh, airships would come along, they would dock at the top of the Empire State Building they would just go down the stairs and there would be a platform there and then you'd go down in the elevator into the... Well, they thought... Why didn't someone... Just one person surely could have gone, no, that's a very, very bad idea. Well, no, they, because they thought it was the future. No. And it... Well, it, it never happened. It was never used. But they thought that, that the airship would be there docked at the top of the Empire State Building, and people would just get off, walk down the gangplank. I mean, for God's sake, walk down the gangplank. How many hundred feet, how many thousand feet up in the air is that? Inherent problem with an airship, I always thought that. I mean, you know, I'm no expert, but it seems to me if you trap a large volume of highly flammable substance next to things that light fires, there's an issue, isn't there? There you Potent go. Potent it's a potential death trap. Is what it is. Trickle down economics, my ass. It's four a.m. Are you having the pesto, or are you, are you going for chips? What are you doing? I'm going for chips. Listen, I'm going now. Uh, in fact, oh, shall I go the? No, go on. I'll have the pesto, the naked Ooh. pesto, and we'll see how it goes. I'm not promising anything. If I come in with a black eye, you know it didn't go well. Anyway, me and the pooch are off. I'll see you next time. Toodle pip. Cheers. That's time at the far end of the bar. You've been listening to Richard Lewis and Ben Orr. Find the fellas on all the socials. Just search hashtag TFEOTB or send them an email. It's thefarendofthebar at gmail.com. Most importantly, spread the word. Tell your friends and enemies, colleagues and family about this amazing podcast you've been listening to. We'll love you forever. Forever.